Que ondas, primos y primas, and welcome back to my Primos Podcast. My name is Fred, and with me tonight is my primo and yours, Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. What's, what's up, up Freddy? What's up, Freddy? I am uh, <laughs> glad to be here. Had some technical difficulties with throwing us off. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. We're glad, but we're making it happen. So mm-hmm. today we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. We'll give you our take, our review on it, kind of some Easter eggs, if you will. I don't know. We kind of Kevin's gonna know more than I do, oh, yeah. but, but just uh, our overall thoughts. No topic too big or too small for my Primus podcast. Literally, too big yeah. or too small. Too small. We're here, Primos. Of course, you guys can follow along with us at my Primos Podcast on all social media. Plus, keep an eye out on TikTok. Isn't it, Kevin? Go ahead and pitch your, your TikTok and your socials as well. Uh, it's also Kevin Garcia underscore com. I have, uh, you know, figured I, I got, I'm paying for the website. I might as well use that everywhere I go. So I have that on Instagram and on TikTok as Kevin Garcia underscore com. Uh, it's, it's gaining some steam. It's gaining some steam. Uh, mostly posts about comic book content, some stuff about culture stuff, like we, like we discussed here on, on my Primus podcast. Although yesterday I posted a, a video on how I make pizza because you know it's TikTok and and what's TikTok <laughs> without at least one cooking video. Hold on, but are you dancing in the video? I mean, I am kind of freaking people out with the pizza because, I mean, for one thing, my pizza comes out to about, uh, you know, three, four inches tall. It's a, it's a pretty tall pizza. Also, giant chunks of pineapple, which controversial, I know, but like. I'm okay with the, pineapple on pizza. Exactly. Man. You got to be adventurous with your pizza. Oh, I go. I, I love pineapple on my pizza. I think it's great, but there's a whole movement against it, apparently. But uh, hey. it's just popular to be haters. Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> segue into that's Ant-Man exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and the Wasp. Let's I talk about it, Kevin. Reviews. Um, I, I I liked the movie, man. I I, I liked it a lot. I, I I laughed a lot at that movie, and I mean like actual laughs, not just like oh I can't believe they did that kind of laughs. Um, I I enjoyed it. Uh, you and I were talking about it the other day. Like, what would you give it out of five? And I'm like, you know what? Walking out of the theater, I would give it a a, a four out of five. And and looking back on it, still like a high three or a low four. I, I really enjoyed it. Not one of the best Marvel movies ever, but but definitely one of the more fun ones recently. Um, and and it it I feel like it stood on its own and worked as part of the greater tapestry. That being said, not everybody felt that way. You know, how about how about you, Freddie? How'd you feel? Me kind of sit on the other side of that fence. <laughs> I was hyped. I love the first two Ant Man movies, and I walked in with certain expectations. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I walked out like. Mm, Walked out of the theater like a maybe a two and a half to a three. And even looking back, it's still sitting there like pretty high, like too high, a high two to a low three, maybe. But it, I think that it wasn't, we'll touch on it, but I think it was more of a of a jumping off point for phase five. You know and, what? I, I have a theory based on something you said, and, and and you're not the only one that said this. Like you enjoyed one and two, right? Yeah. Um if you had it, it, and I, obviously you've watched all the MCU movies, right? But if yeah. somebody had come in only having watched the Ant-Man trilogy, I don't think they'd like this movie. Because, yeah, because it doesn't fit with the other two. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> you're missing uh, uh, Luis, Michael Pena's Luis, who was like yeah. the best character in the entire MCU. And he's not in this film, you know, and and, and I get that. But But standing on its own, I think it's a really strong film. Um, in fact, part of that issue, part of my issue with that is that like the Ant-Man trilogy is the least trilogy of all the trilogies inside of the larger MCU, right? Because like, 
There's no cohesion. No cohesion at all. Guardians of the Galaxy, they you can tell like there's there's like offhand remarks that Rocket made that are going to be paid off in in Volume Three. You know what I mean? Uh, even yeah. Thor, even Thor. Like you look at the first three Thor movies, you know, Dark World was not good, but it tied closely together with the movie before it and and the movie after it. Uh, Ragnarok was a different tonal shift, but it still tied thematically. We had the characters going, everything tied together. Whereas Ant Man. I don't feel like there was any plan going in. So what know? I thought was when I saw this, it was more so how I felt about him in um, Endgame, ah, right? Yeah, I Paul felt Rose. like Ant Man was the was the Deus Ex Machina. Like, oh, <laughs> he's the reason. Like, boom, that Ant Man. Like, he came out of nowhere to always be that. Like, you know, what do we need to propel this forward? <laughs> like, oh, fuck it, Ant Man did it. You know, like he figured out, oh, quantum realm. Like, okay, like they found a way to use that to kind of just get to the next chapter and in that case, close it. And here we are a new chapter Opening, after yeah. the fact. And he's even saying, Hey, you know, I did my part, save the world, what have you. And here I am a celebrity in my own right. And I liked is what I liked. Mm-hmm. We didn't spend a lot of time outside of the quantum realm. Like we went there as soon as possible. We didn't even have to play around and tell me a whole origin story. He gave us some, but not a lot. I appreciated that because I wanted just to get just down enough there. that we needed. Enough, just enough. I like that. Now, there were. It felt like I don't know. Me and my son were talking about it. Like we felt that it was almost too slow of a mar for a Marvel movie. Like it felt like we had the expectations of. Think about it. We have. They kind of spoon feed you little little bits and then an explosion fight, something hilarious happens, or they work on a caper, fast camera movements, the next thing, keep you kind of moving, right? This was very subtle. It felt like those old films, those old like sci-fi films, like hard sci-fi, but enough to where it's, hey, we're here for the intellectual side to know that there's a civilization, there's people here, it's not just some unknown world, it actually is its own thing, you know, and it kind of pulled away the veil of, hey, we're here to blow stuff up and, and have fun. You know, on, on that respect, that I actually wanted it to be slower, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Like, um, I, I did enjoy the movie. I did enjoy the movie, but I wish we had more time to experience that world and the people in it. Um, the, the biggest I example felt the opposite. for me. Well, well, I felt it was too many. Let, let me put it this way. Too let's much say, time. Let's say we just removed uh, the entire Bill Murray scene, right? Uh, if you okay. remove the entire Bill Murray scene, then we could have added scenes where we get to see Cassie and Scott interacting with the natives. Now, you're not only going to be building up Cassie and Scott's story, getting to have more of, of them do a father and daughter scene, which we haven't really had in the previous movies, but you would also be able to flesh out these these new characters, you know, that, that seem really cool. In fact, I, I look at um, random TikTok videos and people are like obsessing over characters that had maybe five seconds of screen time, which I don't blame them. They're cool looking characters and what we do see them is cool, but I wish we had more time to develop them. Whereas the Bill Murray scene just just felt unneeded, you know? Um, I agree. And, and at the same time, you're talking about like the big spectacle. I feel like it had the big spectacle and uh, with, with especially toward the end, but anytime Kang's troops showed up or anytime Kang was present, uh, you know, it was it was a massive spectacle. Um, one of the some of the complaints I heard was that the the spectacle w- was too unbelievable, or, or how could Ant Man of all people fight Kang? And I'm like, that's what makes it interesting. Uh, it doesn't make Kang weak. It makes Ant Man have to, like you were saying, 
become that de deus ex machina, which, yeah. which is actually, I think, okay, because it's like, in a lot of the Marvel movies, you have one of two things happen. You either have one character that figures out some super genius thing to, to do it, or one character that just, through sheer luck and, and refusing to give up, does it, you know? And Scott falls into that second category. You know, he, he's he's that Captain America character. He's that Thor character. He's not Iron Man. You know, uh, he he's not Nick Fury, who's going to figure everything out. Uh, he's not Captain Marvel, uh, but he's he's the one who can like figure stuff out as it goes. You know, um, I, I, I like that. You know, but I, at the same time, I wish I had more world building. You know, I think that the we spent this is the thing. I enjoyed the fact that we got there, right? But I'm a little opposite. I think that we spent too much time on those characters and the payoff was Kang. Like, yeah. let's interact more with Kang. Yeah. Let's interact more with that world. Like, how how does she, like that whole backstory of how she got involved mm -hmm. with Kang and helped him, right? And, and like, again, that, that ties to what I was saying earlier about there not being a plan going in. In the first movie, there was a vague idea that the quantum realm, that she could be frozen in the quantum realm. You see a shadow of her, and that's it. Second movie, it's she even says it's it's a barren void, and we pull her out. We get a glimpse of a city, but that's all we get. Um, and in this movie, of course, we have a whole universe. But there was a deleted scene from the previous movie where she was literally just telling Hank, oh, by the way, there's you know billions of people living here, and it's a thing. You know? And it's like they didn't have a plan going in. That being said... I appreciate that even though they kind of written themselves in a corner here, that I felt like they wrote themselves out of it pretty well by having that backstory between Janet and Kang. Um, yeah, uh, real quick aside, there, there is a storyline in the comics where, where Janet is believed dead on Earth, and it turns out that she was trapped in the micro realm for, you know, years. And when we when she yeah. comes out, she's covered in rags and stuff. And she's like she'd been undercover there. And she'd been fighting against a, a massive like dictator and all kinds of things like that. So it was, it, was a, it, it parallels the comics. But in the comics, it was kind of a throwaway of like, yeah, by the way, I was a freedom fighter. Anyway, I'm back on Earth now. Let's join the Avengers here. It's a massive part of her life. And they really delved into it. It was traumatic. No, for her. But hold on. Like, I, I, I don't stop you right there. So I apologize to cut you off. But I don't want to lose my thought. The fact that she had to piece it out was annoying. I'm like, okay, yeah. like we get it. There's a connection there. And she kept being very hidden and very quiet about it. And very hidden. It's like, you're, we're already here. We know yeah. that you got, you had something going on. We're all adults here, at least in the party. And you're like, come on, like what's going on? Why are you piecing? Oh, somebody I know. It's a secret. Yeah. Somebody from my past. Like everything's a secret at this point where to come on, just be forthcoming. And I felt they did that to prolong the film. I think the film could have been it was not too long of a film, but it could have been shorter and I would have been just as good. I completely agree with you that I feel like she should have said it a little bit earlier. However, I am willing to justify that because I want you to imagine you're in her place, right? That uh, you did nothing through any that you did nothing wrong through any fault of your own, right? You you yeah. saw somebody who was struggling, you were yourself struggling, but you had the ability to help this person, so you worked together and you overcame something. And then right as you help this person, you find out, A, they are the biggest despot the multiverse has ever known. And B, you just gave them the keys to the kingdom. So now, aside from the fact that, that oh my Lord, I just realized how powerful and scary he is, that, that's nothing. Because remember, Janet was there for 30 years. So that means there was another 10, 15 years of her watching him kill billions of people. Billions of people that would not have died if not for her. 
Now, is she at fault? No, I don't think so. That she had, again, there was no fault of hers. That, one thing I like about this movie is that unlike a lot of movies where like the, the characters get like the idiot box and they do stupid things, yeah. every bad thing that the heroes do in this movie was not their fault. Like they tried hard. She tried to help somebody and she ended up killing billions. Uh, Scott did not want to help Kang, but he had no other choice. You know, every time the good guys in this movie do uh, Cassie, she blamed herself. Oh, no, I'm the one that, that told Modoc where we were. How could she possibly have known? She was trying hard to prevent a future problem like what happened to Janet, like what happened to, to her dad. She knew it was a problem, so she was going to address it every step along the way. The heroes were acting like heroes. So back to Janet real quick. She was traumatized by this concept, not just oh, I made a mistake and I didn't want to tell you about it. Or, oh, I slept with Bill Murray and I didn't want to tell you about that. Which, by the way, I, I really love that both ha Janet and Hank, neither one of them judges the other. Like, that's really cool. I, I thought I you were going to say, like, I, I would totally tell everybody that I slept with Bill Murray. I mean, everybody I might, gets, hear me. Like, I mean, it's Bill Murray, but, but no, it's okay. But the point is, but the point, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be a story. But the point is that I get her trauma. Like, I understand that is a massive amount of trauma that nobody on earth currently has. Like, nobody on earth can say, yeah, there was a despot that killed billions of people, and it was my fault. Because he had no chance of being able to do that without her intervention. All right? So the idea is, is that I get why she didn't want to talk about it. Now, that being said, she still should have said it a few scenes earlier than she did in the movie. But I get it. I get why she didn't want to talk about it so much. It makes sense. And, and by the way, if you go back and watch the earlier movies, I don't think she technically lies about it. Even though, like I said, they didn't have a plan going in. In the earlier movies, she was in a void. She says, here are these specific coordinates I need you to get to. She clearly went to an uninhabited part of that universe to get as far away from Kang as possible so that she could escape without him knowing there was a means of escape. You know, So it, 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 to me, that's not a fault. It, it is annoying from an audience point of view, but from a character point of view, it makes a lot of sense so, for her. So then, remember, I walked in, and I talked about the, this uh, last time we spoke. I walked in with yeah, yeah. with high expectations. I was like, my head I, was ballooning up to it. And I had low expectations, so that helps. True. But I'm used to the Marvel sensationalism of, like, this is a massive movie, even though we went micro. But the fact that this movie is supposed to be, you know, hey, this is the kickoff. This is everything start launching off into Beginning phase five. Phase five. This is yeah. be everything. Now, Kang didn't disappoint. Well, hold on. Before we get into Kang, he I want to address disappoint. the – I, I, I want to do a whole thing on Kang because I totally agree with you. Um, okay. But I want to address that expectation for a second. Um, the reason I had low expectations is not – like, for example, Eternals was a bad movie. But that didn't make me say, oh, well, future Marvel movies are going to be bad. No, the reason I had low expectations is because exactly what I said earlier, as much as I did enjoy the previous two Ant-Man movies, they were both like just really good, high-budget episodes of a TV show. Neither one felt like a Marvel movie. This is the first Ant-Man movie that felt like a Marvel movie to me. Like that, that, So I didn't have expectations, not because I expected it to be bad, just because, to excuse the pun, I expected it to be small. Um, and instead, it, it was the opposite. It was it was epic, and people keep comparing it to Star Wars, and 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 I, I I disagree with that Star Wars comparison. I think it's more close to Avatar than anything else, except for the Cantina scene, I guess. But like, huh. but I thought it achieved that. I thought it achieved that 
um, grand scale that the previous two Ant-Man movies didn't and, and, and could have. The, the Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie, I really, the whole time, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character has the ability to grow to the size of a building. They talk about it. It never happens. They, 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 they would say things and then not pay them off later. That happened in the first movie, happened in the second movie. This movie, everything they said got paid off. Well, those movies did well, time. though. It was a caper movie. Like yeah, this was a, it was, it was, there were caper movies, yeah. and I enjoyed those. It was, it wasn't relying on the superpower, but it was fun yeah. when it happened, yeah. right? Th- this this and movie this had feels, a minor, minor caper, and that makes it feel less like the previous two movies. Yeah, I think it was. I was I was needing that. I needed Luis to come out on stage and we just be like, Luis. "All right, guys, I needed Luis to just give you a recap. Here's what happened, and give you the whole recap in like two minutes. You know, that would have been awesome." Man, I wish I wish the scene where where Scott woke up in San Francisco in, in Endgame that the first person he met was Luis and Luis just gave him a summary of the past five years. God, yes. That, I, I know it would have taken us out of that movie, but it would have been such a better movie if Luis was in it. <laughs> it would have been so and, good and, if he was in it because he could, he could give everybody that summary, his style, like his whole play on that. Oh, I would love it. And I would have made it like perfect. And I want to touch on that for a second. Um, I think the lack of that cast does hurt this film. Like um, the, they, they show Jimmy Woo who's one of my favorite characters in the yeah. comics and in the movies, even though he's not nearly as, as, as um, important in the, in the movies as he is in the comics. In the comics, he, he's a secret monster fighter that has a secret organization. You know, it's great stuff. Um, yeah. but, um, but we also miss Luis. Now, technically, one of the other buddies was there. I think it's the dude that has the Russian accent. Uh, he played the little blob yeah. character in this movie, um, which is cool. But, like, we did need that. Um, you said earlier that you, you were glad they didn't spend too much time on Earth. I am too. Yeah. However, I would rather that montage scene had been a little bit shorter just to get Luis in there, just so he was in the movie. Or hell, put him in a post credit or something and have Luis be like, hey, put him on a, this is what happened. Or just have him exist. I don't know, like a nod to that, because I feel like they've kind of, and this is funny, my son and we were watching it and he's like, why do they call him Spider-Man? Is it a play on, because remember in, in, Spider-Man movies, they, they erased everything. Nobody knows who Spider-Man is, right? Isn't that what he told me? He's like, they erased Spider-Man from existence. They erased Peter Parker. Peter Parker or Spider-Man? Just Peter Parker. Or just Peter Parker. Every, okay. everybody, still, everybody still remembers Spider-Man. Spider-Man joined the Avengers. Spider-Man fought Thanos. Spider-Man got dusted. Everybody remembers Spider-Man. But they don't know Peter Parker. Nobody gotcha. remembers okay. Peter Parker. Uh, but you're right. You could have let that go. Like, okay, like we spent enough time up here. Like, maybe show the old gang hanging out because show the family. Just a little and bit, I, yeah. A little bit, but at least I the birthday wanted party more scene. time with with his daughter too. The birthday. True. Oh true, yeah. True. true, true, true. All right. Um, you, you brought up Kang. Let's let's do Kang before we do anything else because I agree that's that is literally the the, the Kang in the room that needs to be addressed. <laughs> um, how Ever do you feel about since. Amazing, amazing. He delivered. He gave. He made me feel like, damn, look out for this guy. Like he made you worry more so than Thanos. Like I felt like, oh, like wow, because this is not a. If you know comic books, you know you know mm-hmm. Kang. Like especially with the exactly. Avengers and that history. Like the fact that he's on screen, it opens up the door for so much more. And Jonathan Majors, he killed it, man. He was amazing, and I loved him even in in. Let's go back to Loki. Mm-hmm. At the end of Loki, He Who Remains. And Which, speaking of things not feeling out of out of place, that one episode felt so out of place for the rest of the season. But it was such a good episode. 
It was so good. Everything Jonathan yes. Majors did was good. Um, it, it, again, it, it felt out of place for the series, but oh my lord, it was so good. Uh, he you know he what? chewed up the screen, man. He he was amazing. I love his Perfectly presence. Chewed. I love his delivery, and he was a badass Kang. Like I was like, man, he is a force to be reckoned with. I loved it. So so the reason I want to talk about Kang real quick is I wanted to address some of the complaints that I've seen, and they're contradictory right. complaints, obviously from different people. Um, some people complain that uh, he looks too comic booky, which I mean, come on. At this point, we've dealt with that already. Um, this is visually as a talking raccoon, people. We I know, right? Move on. Seriously, seriously. No, but they were like, <laughs> "Oh, he's too colorful." No, they they muted the colors a little bit for the for the movie, which normally I don't like. Like Spider Man, I want him to be as bright and colorful as he is in the comics. But for Kang, I think if he was as bright and colorful as he, if he had thigh high boots like he does in the comics, it'd be very hard to take him seriously. Um, but this is this is very very close to his costumes and the comics. I was, in fact, one thing I was worried about as as a comic book fan is I wanted his face to be blue, and I thought they yeah, were going to do that. But the, but they addressed it in a really cool way, where it's like this force field thing, whatever it is. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, so that's the visual, and and I think that they're I just like flat out wrong. The, 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 now let's look at the the character, and I've seen people say that it just didn't feel right. Uh, some people said that. Um, they didn't think he was a serious threat for the Avengers because Ant-Man could beat him. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's but, power, it's power scaling. Yeah. I, I really hate it when the people are like, well, if X character can beat X, then that means that X character who beat this character previously didn't you have a also whole thing about power levels and power. If you remember, we talked about this. Like, we have talked about it before. About... Uh, what, one of the big jokes among comic book historians is there was a major secret wars actually in the, yeah. in the eighties. Uh, the Wasp defeats all of the X-Men. Like, Professor X is there, Wolverine's there, Colossus, Nightcrawler, the whole X-Men gang from the 80s is there, and she defeats them single-handedly. So does that mean that if the X-Men can fight Shadow King, then that means that the Wasp will have Wasp, no problem yeah. at all fighting Shadow yeah. King? And that's not how that works. Um, Ant-Man did not beat Kang. Ant-Man slowed Kang down because of mistakes he did like like once he has that little time ball whatever the hell it is yeah um, he, could, he could just leave but he wanted to take his entire army with him and taking his entire army with him that took some time uh and that gave the ant-man family a chance to fight back um yeah. I, I also think that uh some people were complaining i heard i've heard this complaint as well that well he was very menacing for a while but as soon as he, he lost his, his his cool and started beating up ant-man he was just a thug and it's like what the hell that, that's just that's a horrible horrible statement but but first off that's kang that's exactly what kang is like in the comics every time kang shows up he acts like he's the toughest guy in the room unless one of two things happens one he starts to lose or two immortus shows up if either of those two yeah. things happen, Kang just becomes a whiny little baby and will fight anything in front of him, usually causing his own downfall. You know, and, and this case, it wasn't even that. This wasn't a whiny little baby. This was a scary force of nature. Now, I do find it a little weird that Kang, who should be able to beat up anybody, uh, regardless of, of his equipment working, had trouble with Scott Lang, who at most has been in some prison fights, I guess. But that being said, he had just been had the crap beat out of him by several hundred thousand giant ants with cybernetic parts. True. So he, all of his equipment was broken. Like you see, he got one blast off, and then his and then his gauntlet broke, right? And presumably, he had several broken bones. Um, this is a Kang who had already been severely wounded, and he was almost going to kill 
Scott with his bare hands. Even, yeah. even this close to death's door, he was ready to kill Scott with his bare hands. And then, um, and then of course, at the end, we get to see all those different Jonathan majors, which is, I, I, I was shocked. I, I have, I want to pause is, that scene, man. And just go because my son was like, did you see that? Did you see that? That Kang? I'm like, yeah, is that a, is that a, amp, like, a like a Scott Lang Kang in there too? There might've been. Cause here's the thing. Um, <laughs> This okay. I, I've I haven't I've been telling this because there's hold on. Like if if we if we before we jump into that because yeah yeah. If I remember and you're gonna check me on this, I'm not. I don't have Doctor Doom, but there's a line here between the the Kang, the Pharaoh Kang, uh -huh. and Mister Fantastic, isn't there? Uh, yes and no. Uh, uh, let me let me address that in a second. Let, let's let's focus on this for real quick. Then we'll get to that. That's that's where we're getting to the lore and the canyons yeah. with that. I do want to address that because that, people have been there's been some misunderstandings on the internet. But okay. But the thing here is this: um, this Kang is the closest I have ever seen a supervillain in a movie to their comic book counterpart, and I mean that in a good way. You know, because um, look, I love Loki, but they have changed Loki in the comics to match the movies. And I'll be honest, he's a better character now, right? Yeah. Um, Magneto eventually got to the point in the movies where he is in the comics. You know, um, Thanos is nothing at all other than attitude and and and, and fearsomeness. Nothing at all like his comic counterpart. Um, you know, visually looks like him kind of, but but like Kang looks like him, acts like him. If you go back and read any of the uh, Avengers comics by Kurt Busiek, uh, Avengers Forever or the Kang Dynasty storyline. Um, this is that Kang. This is completely 100% that personality. And then that scene you're talking about where all those hundreds and hundreds of Kangs are, that's the Council of Kangs. That's an actual yep. comic book panel from the 1980s that that just, you could see it being recreated. And it wasn't just, oh, let's get a nod to it. Like like um, in Thor Love, Love and Thunder, they had like, oh, look, yep. a nod to the comic book panel. No, this is, uh, yes, the comic book panel in the same exact context. Okay, now let's get into the lore. So you were asking about whether there could be a Scott Lang a Kang, and I said there could be. I, I doubt there is, but there could be. Because the Council of Kangs is uh, in two parts. There's the main council, which is basically all him, multiple versions yeah. of him. And then there's what's called the Council of Cross-Time Kangs, which are basically other beings that have become Kang in other universes. Uh, mm. could, be, could be in a universe where humans never existed, and, and this character just eventually became the Kang of that universe. Yeah. Or, in some cases, it's a character that killed Kang, took his place, and became the Kang of that universe. Um, and, and the Council of Kangs kind of allow these guys in because... Look, if you're going to have time travelers messing with stuff, they might as well do it under your watch. You know what I mean? And, oh, my Lord, so many references. Uh, you saw that most of the Kangs were coming down in these square uh, yeah. plates of, of light. That was invented by Dr. Doom. So Kang's origin is that he went to his ancestor's lab and found the, the, the time travel device that he was going to use to travel. Um, and... That's been flipped back and forth over the years where they would say, oh, we're going to leave it vague. And they're like, oh, we're going to tell you exactly who his ancestor is. And then they come back and say it's vague again. Um, but essentially it's like this. Uh, Kang's great, 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 great grandfather was Reed Richards' dad. All right. So we yeah. know that part is almost 100% certain. In fact, it is 100% certain. They've, they've confirmed it several times. What is less certain is what exactly his connection is to Doom. He is probably also descended from Doom. But the hows and whys of that have never been addressed. Um, because that's where I've always been kind of like screaming, like, I need I need doom in the universe. I need so, that baddie. You know, I need he, that back. Yeah. And, and real quick on the lore, when Kang was first having his lore established in the comics, 
there was even a theory that he was himself Doom. That Doom had time traveled so far that he'd forgotten who he was and became Kang. So that that's that's weird. But on that note, I feel like we're gonna get Doom. I feel like uh, I don't want to jump ahead to to a later topic, yeah, yeah. but like I feel like when we get Kang Dynasty, Kang and his multiple selves and other things, that's gonna be the main threat. It's gonna be a massive thing. But when we get to Secret Wars, I, I fully think that Doom is going to overshadow uh, Kang um, in, in in what he does. Doom goes in and, and takes from other villains, and just like boom, it's mine now. Oh, you are almost successful. It's mine now. It's mine yeah. now. yeah. Um, but but back to back to Kang and Jonathan Majors. Um, not only is does he look and act like Kang, but he looks and acts like the other versions of Kang. You know, we have Rama Tut. Uh, which Rama I knew they'd give it. I knew we'd get a nod to Ramatut, but we actually got Ramatut. Doesn't look exactly like he does in the comics. Honestly, he looks a little better in the movie. Uh, we got Immortus, which is funny to me because um, if you look back at the way he who remains is dressed in the last episode of Loki, yeah. he's Immortus minus the hat. Like he is exactly Immortus minus that. Although different, I should say, from the Immortus that we saw at the end of of Quantum Mania, which is weird to me because the the he who remains costume. Is basically just Immortus minus a couple pieces, whereas the Kang, I'm sorry, the Immortus in the in Quantum Mania is Immortus from the comics plus several pieces. You know, so that's weird. Uh, the third character is one who doesn't really look like any Kang I know. Um, he, uh, it's presumed to be the Scarlet Centurion, but of course he's not Scarlet. Um, he seems a little bit younger than the others. He doesn't have any scars on his face. Um, uh, obviously Kang has uh, other identities over the years. He's had uh, Kid Immortus, which we don't know anything about, except it was like 20-something-year-old him. Uh, there's Iron Lad, which is teenage him, uh, who tried to be a good guy. Um, and then there was a, a weird one introduced recently in the comics called the Scion. And, uh, it, of course, it was revealed that the Scion was actually, well, spoilers, not Kang, uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it was uh, still connected to the Kang mythos. So he could be the Scion, he could be uh, Kid Immortus, he could be, you know, any, he could be a new version of Kang. But the idea that Jonathan Majors can so convincingly play all of these different versions of the same yes, person. Yes, so good. Oh my Lord, it blows me away. Because the Kang of this movie is nothing at all like he who remains in the previous story. And nothing. what really, I honestly had to have somebody convince me that the guy in Creed 3 is Jonathan Majors. Right, I saw that. I told my kid, I, like, look, I, he's in Creed 3. He's in like, everything. I was like, there is no way that that guy is Kang. <laughs> um, but then in the post credits, we have the one Kang that I never thought we'd see, which is one of my favorite versions of Kang, uh, which is uh, Victor Timely. Um, this character, it will only ever reference in like one storyline, and it will reference in a few others, but only ever showed up in one storyline. But, um, but the reason I love him is because he explains the science of the Marvel Universe. So you know how... If you watch the movie, Tony Stark pulls out his phone Ooh. and he's got like a a, a, a a hologram phone that pops up. And you're like, we don't have that. But like, oh, well, it's because he's Tony Stark. Yeah. He's smart. But then they go back to the 40s and his dad has a flying car. And you're like, well, how do you have a, have a flying car? Well, he's really smart. Well, I understand that. But like how smart do you have to be in the 40s to have something we don't have today? Victor Timely explains that. Because what Victor Timely did is he wanted to make sure the technology was available. So at the time that time travel needed to be invented, it would be ready. So he went back in time to the 1800s, established Timely, Wisconsin, and then kind of there started a factory of building basically microchips before microchips should exist. Um, and so wow. what he did was, if not for Victor Timely, there would literally be no vision. 
Like that's that was the storyline that you find out that the first androids were created because of Victor Tomley's technology. In other words, the scientists were smart enough in the 40s to do this stuff, but they didn't have the equipment to prove it. And as Victor Timely, he made that possible. So I love the idea that, that this little one comic reference was in an Avengers annual in the early 90s that, that never really came up again. Um, like I said, again, briefly referenced the background. But I love this idea that Kang, just because he wanted to have his equipment later, created all of the super science of the Marvel Universe. That character, Victor Timely, is the reason the Marvel Universe exists. And I just, I find that lovely. And of course, his name, the reason he's called Victor Timely, is because Marvel's first comic book company was called Timely Comics. So he is the foundation oh. of Marvel. And, and that's why that's when I saw that so, first credit, I got so excited. <laughs> I, I got excited because of the fact that I saw Loki on the big screen again. Oh. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. This is Loki. My son, we love it. And it Victor Timely came up. I, I didn't know who he was. I saw his sign. I'm like, we're thinking, well, maybe they went to look for a Kang to get on their side. And that's the reason why we're seeing this scene is just because he's hunting down another Kang that be, can be, he can be friend and help him with the TVA and everything. And that's kind I of mean, where our head went. I feel like they could do that. I do have one thing I want to say about that scene that I feel like it's kind of a disappointment in my mind, a disappointment rather. Um, I honestly feel that that exact scene is going to show up in an episode of Loki. Like it's not even going to tie into an episode. It will literally be that scene in an episode just the same way they did. I think it was, uh, what was it? Winter Soldier? One of, no, not Winter Soldier. Um, one of the Captain America movies, I think Civil War, had a little clip Civil at the War. end that was a clip of an upcoming movie. And it's like, you know, that yeah. it's, it's fine, but I wish it was like... It would have been cool if it was like a, a unique thing to the film and then yeah, exactly. the, the show would have been its own thing. But, yeah. I mean, he's amazing. Dr. Major surprised me. Like, Dear he Lord, was in, everybody uh, who's complaining, they're just... Uh, I don't even know what they're talking about. Um... Now, a couple things on on uh, on Kang, uh, and, and and casting rather, is uh, they also have uh, what's that actor's name from The Good Place who's in the movie? Um, so everybody everybody was talking yes. about him being like, oh, what's his character going to be? Uh, you know, what's, is he going to be Reed Richards? Is he going to be this? Uh, first off, I, I knew he wasn't going to be Reed Richards because they would have they would have said that. Um, but at the same time, uh, William it's a Jackson. Shame. Yeah, it's it's a same it's a shame that they they cast somebody who has such a following, William Jackson Harper, uh, such a following in such a minor role. And, and honestly, as much as I did want to see more of those characters uh, in that world, um, his was like a one note joke. Like the joke yeah, but, is he does slept. It was funny every time. I laughed every sure, time he but, did the joke. But it's the I, only joke. Here's the thing: I'm okay with a cameo. You don't need to try to be the main thing, right? It's okay. Like, but there is an argument of, oh, you had you had a great actor. Why didn't you use him more or or focus on them a lot more, right? But they don't need to. I think we want to see the story for what we came and move on because I still want to talk about. Well, well the... hold on, hold on. But on that note, uh, Jaman uh, Hansu, uh, who played Korath in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, this is one of the greatest actors of this generation. And Marvel had him in a throwaway character. Like, that's that's what I'm talking about right there. You don't want to just take an amazing actor and just have them barely show up. You know what I mean? So do you feel misled that there should have been no, more? No, I, I don't feel misled at all. I feel like it was bad casting. Um, I feel like... How about uh, MODOK? Let's talk about that mess. 
Let's let's talk about Modoc. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking um, about bad casting. I, I have conflicting thoughts on Modoc. Here's, um, here's let me give you mine before you you give us. Yeah, the deep I'll, dive. I'll, I'll I'll go ranting on that. You go. It's gonna before you get a deep dive. Shitty CGI. I mean, yeah. it it was like it really what was. What the hell was going on? Yeah, and I would have preferred if they didn't even show his face. If it was just a metal Modoc face. No, but, I w- I would have hated it more if they did that. But really. Ugh. Yeah, it was bad. It was Not only bad. That, his, it, I didn't even recognize mm. the actor anymore. I, I could from some angles, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, you squint with one eye and look away with the other one. But mm-hmm. it was bad. And even the jokes, it was just a very uncomfortable yeah. character to have on screen. That he's, if well, I he's, felt, su- he's supposed mm. to be uh, both A, uncomfortable, and B, a joke, you know. So he achieved that. But yeah, the CGI was bad, and and the, and the trouble with the bad CGI is I know, I know why they did it, and I disagree. Um, uh, so Modok should have been entirely CGI, uh, where you make completely new, like Hulk. Hulk's yeah. face is not at all Mark Ruffalo's face. You can see a little bit of Mark Ruffalo in him, but it's a brand new face. They should have done that. Uh, they already know what Modok's supposed to look like. There's a TV show with it with stop motion. It looks great, you know. Yeah, um, she does. And uh, the reason they didn't do it is because they wanted you to recognize the character of Darren Cross. Um, I feel like that could have been done differently. I feel like you could have had them recognize his voice or he could just identify or, or somebody could be like, who's that? Be like, That's Darren. You know, that would have been fine. Um, the reason I definitely am glad they did. In fact, I wish they didn't have the helmet at all because I would rather have this weird looking man, uh, giant head baby character, you know, floating around that is supposed to be weird. than just the, eh, we gave up on the CGI, put a helmet on him. Uh, you know, so they only end mm. up taking the helmet off when it is relevant to the plot that you see his face. Um, and it's like, it's like the opposite of every time Spider-Man takes off his mask. Like in the, in the movie, Spider-Man is constantly taking off his mask because let's be clear. They're paying to have a name actor and they want you to see his face. This is the opposite. This is the, we're kind of embarrassed by the way he looks. So we're just going to put a mask over him every time you don't need to see him talk. Now, and, we don't, we don't work in this industry. We don't, we don't pretend to know oh, the no, CGI I'm, I'm, science, right? But I don't, I don't blame the CGI. I, I fully believe that those CGI artists did exactly what they were told to do, which is make it look like his face, but big. And there were probably some CGI artists that were saying like, well, can we give him the larger eyebrows like that, that he has in, in or eyebrows, uh, forehead, forehead that he has in the movie, yeah. in, the, in the comics, or the larger cheekbones, or can we deform his face? Or what I would have done, because I've actually done this before, where I, where I like just use Photoshop to just cheaply put faces on MODOK. And all I did was shrink the face a little bit and left the head big. And it was MODOK, you know, um, they could have done that too. But instead, they kept his face at the exact same aspect ratio that he has, but wrapped it around a shape that is not the shape of his face. And I don't blame the CGI artist for that because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that they were told to do exactly that. Um, And it looks so... We can't blame the artist. When you look at something like this, you can tell that someone that puts effort and time into their work isn't going to walk away from something of that level without it being something that someone's... telling them to do because i know we can create something drawn you can walk away from and you go yeah that looks pretty cool on my end or no like damn that's garbage it's because they had so much outside input and i hate that 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 was in the movie i mean 
I'm not saying it would have made it any better. Could have, maybe. But so the, that character, the Darren character, just like oh. So let me go into the lore for a second. Let me go into the lore for a second. Um, first off, let's address the Darren character as Darren. All right, I yeah. did not like him in the first movie. Not because he was a bad villain. He was he was an adequate villain, a very small villain with small goals. He, I mean, it's it was Ant Man, I guess. But the problem with Darren is that <laughs> he was Yellow Jacket. Uh, Darren Darren in the comics is a is a hitman. He, he's a an assassin. He works for other you know whatever else. But but Yellow Jacket in the comics is Ant Man. It is Ant Man who has been corrupted. It is Ant Man who has done things he's not supposed to do. Um, I find it much scarier. To have a villain who is you making mistakes than a villain who's just, oh, I'm a bad guy who wants money, you know? Um, so that's one issue I had with Darren. Then the second issue is, well, what about Darren as MODOK? That one actually doesn't bother me um, because people are like, well, it's so different from MODOK in the comics. But here's the thing. There have been dozens of MODOKs in the comics. Like there is the main, like every time I've seen, every every single review I've seen is that, well, MODOK is George Harrington and that's who, and like, no, that was the first MODOK we're aware of, but... There are dozens of Modocs, and they're all jokes, right? Um, I, I went over to Marvel. I wrote a profile for Modam, who was a female version of Modoc. All right, there was one briefly called Modot, and he was called the the uh, mental organism designed only for talking. You know, and 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 they're ridiculous. They're they're, they're ridiculous characters who are fun villains, <laughs> threatening but fun. Um, but here's the thing that I thought was funny. So. How do you explain why he's called Modoc? And obviously it's an acronym, but they don't speak English in this in this world. So the, the one who named him Modoc was himself because Kang called him the mental organism designed only for killing. And you could put whatever language Kang originally spoke, who knows. But Darren took all that and said, okay, my name's Modoc. <laughs> you know, and, and I actually like that idea that he just called himself Modoc because somebody else said he's a mental organism designed only for killing. Um, and so I don't have a problem with that. I also like, let's ignore the face for a second. The entire chassis okay. of MODOK was comics accurate. You know, he's got the right size hands. He has the legs. He had, in more recent comics, they've had a lot of comics where MODOK just pops out these guns and chainsaws and stuff. And they did yeah. all that. They had all the jaw, jaw uh, the, the guns and chainsaws and everything. Um, so it was, it was accurate. Plus he was threatening as silly as MODOK is in the comics. He is always a threat. And they actually had that in the movie. So I was fine with that too. I even like that they took that little weird Kirby screen that that, that was on his, his chest plate and they made it a, a yeah. heart monitor, you know, Life which is silly. Monitor, yeah. But it made but it made sense because like what else does it do? It just kind of sits there and, and wobbles. Now, it, by the way, it does have <laughs> in the comics, it does have a purpose of uh, the one on his head focuses his mental energy. I believe I had to write about all this stuff. But the point is, it was accurate to the comics. It doesn't have to be George. It's a different MODOK, you know? And the fact that we now have a named MODOK and established, well, the guy who created Victor Timely created this thing. There could be other MODOKs that show up later. I don't think there will be, but like it could be, you know? Uh, it wasn't It wasn't the worst. There was one thing that I thought was really dumb though. Um, and that is when he's dying, they're showing his hand touching Scott. And I think the joke is supposed to be that he's got this weird hand that's touching him yeah but that doesn't work for two reasons number one there are really people with limb differences so don't make fun of that and number two his limbs are normal human sized for darren like the rest of him is misshapen but his arms and legs are the correct proportional size 
So saying that this gross thing is touching uh, Scott is like saying that any hand that touches him is gross. Like, I feel like somebody wrote that into the script, looking at a picture of Modoc, not realizing that when you actually do it in a movie, a normal sized hand is touching Scott. So mm. I'm like, I don't think that scene worked as well as they thought it would. You know what I mean? Uh, but either way, I, I, I like Modoc. I just, uh, I completely Modoc's, agree with the like scene. I said, Modoc, I'm, I just didn't like the. Modoc's fine as a, as a comic book character on screen, but Darren and how they executed the visuals yeah. took me out of it. But I mean, Jonathan Majors was awesome. I mean, at the end, we get, you know, the big battle with the ends, which is awesome. I loved it. Just kind of going to town. Let, let's talk I about the big battle. I want to ask yeah. you about that big battle. So a lot of the reviews that I've seen, the negative reviews, are saying that they shouldn't have introduced Kang as a full character in the first movie of this phase, um, only to have him be defeated by Ant-Man. And their argument is, well, uh, Thanos was in the background of several movies, which I actually don't think worked out very well if you look at him as a whole, but whatever. Um, and uh, and here Kang, full force, gets defeated by Ants and Ant-Man. Um, do you personally, you, do you think this takes away from his threat in future movies? No. I think yeah. that it, it's, it's giving you a taste of what he can do. Yes. If he was able to do all this in the quantum realm, stunted... With, with with almost nothing, yeah. With almost nothing. Nothing but his suit. That shows you, not only that, what it took to, quote-unquote, beat him, it was not just one person. It was mm -hmm. literally an army of ants that are, what is it, lived a thousand years in one day <laughs> that were able to catch up in technology alone to take on his forces and the rebels and the ant family. You know, all of that just to weaken him enough to get sucked into that into that um what is it, the power storage. I forget what they what they call it. Yeah, that, that time ball. I just called it. Time yeah, whatever. Ball. Whatever. To get sucked into that thing. So technically Which, I, I don't think he's dead. Like yeah, uh, they, the, I was gonna say he's not the other Kangs are like, well he died. Ha 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 ha. And I'm like, no, I don't I don't think so. Like you literally have a time traveler trapped inside a ball of pure time. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Now it may take him some effort to get out of there. Um, but I think he'll be fine. I think it showed um, how badass he was too, because it went back when he's like, "Avenger, oh, you're the one with the hammer." Like he knew who he was talking to, but he was just yeah. kind of flexing at that point. Yep. Like, I've killed so oh, many of you. He did such a good job with that flex. Just as, just the way he spoke, the the fact that he just never seemed to. He didn't act angry for the most of the movie. Didn't act uh, sad or scared or happy. Just. Look, this is what needs to happen. And then just a tiny wave of the hand. I think uh, I saw an interview, Jonathan Major saying that he said he wanted to do uh, conserve as, as his, his movements as much as much as possible to like barely, barely move things to be able to do stuff. The, in fact, the only the only thing that I'm a little sad about, it, it, ironically, is um, I wanted him to be a little bit less comic booky in one respect. It, his biggest move is usually putting his arms out and blasting, which yeah. is cool. Very superhero thing to do. I like it. But in the comics, um, especially the Avengers Forever comic from the late 90s, early 2000s, um, Kang pulls out these giant silly guns out of everywhere and just like boom, 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 and then just starts blasting away. And I'm like, I kind of wanted to see that that fight. I wanted to just Kang just bam, 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 bam. Because as much as giant silly guns can be, Kang makes them cool, you know? Uh, you know, so. I don't think this character at all, and I don't agree with that. The, those critiques, I have read stuff mm -hmm. online about it too, saying that the only 
it may seem like only in 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 a very precise, exact, happenstance kind of way would Ant Man stumble into a win against Kang. Yes, and I'm like, well, you're not wrong. But what is what has Ant Man done in every movie he's been in? Literally tripped, <laughs> tripped into a, a solution. Yeah, even, even the one movie where he didn't solve the thing was Civil War, and even that was like, wait, he can grow. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean. Like, why beat it up for what it is? Like, I don't expect anything more. Think about it. My critiques aren't about Ant-Man, quote-unquote, or Scott Lang. Like, he is the same exact character from the first few films. And I think that he, he loses a little bit of that screen time because then we have all the Ant family, if you will, involved. And, you know, there's a lot more characters in play. But he's he didn't disappoint me. He was doing the same thing he always does. On that note, I want to talk about one thing involving Scott Lang that did disappoint me. Okay. It's minor. It's not his, it's not the character. It's not the actor. It was a choice on, on the part of the filmmakers. So we have that scene where there are hundreds and hundreds of Scots. Possibilities, right? right? And at first it's a little bit dumb where it's like, what, who are you? What, who are you? What, who are you? And I'm like, all right, we get it. We get it. Move on. Um, like presumably after the first, what, who are you? Every iteration after that should be like, oh, I remember saying, what, who are you? Yeah. You know, but, um, but what made it, one thing that made it dumb and one thing that just could have been a little bit better. Uh, the thing that made it dumb is the ice cream man. All right. So, yeah. so they do this gag and you first think it's going to be a one-off gag, but then he keeps showing up in the background of Scott as, as a Baskin Robbins employee. And the thing is, I would have been fine with that if they also had other Scots. Like, what if you had a Scott in the background that is wearing the original comic book costume? Or what if oh, you had a Scott cool. in the background who's wearing the Avengers time travel costume? Or what if you had a Scott in the background that's wearing prison clothes because he's still in prison? What if you have a Scott in the background who is dressed as the Wasp or, or Yellow Jacket? What if there's a, 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 a Scott that was Yellow Jacket, you know? Um, it, it might make it a little bit more confusing, but most of them would still look like Ant-Man, right? Um, and, and but then, it would be a nod yeah, to the, gonna, the Marvel Universe. Exactly. And, if you're going to do that bit of him as Baskin-Robbins, Scott, you need to have the others. If you're not going to have the others, don't do the Baskin-Robbins bit. It was, it took, I was enjoying the movie. I felt like that scene took it out. That being said, now the second thing I was going to say about the scene could have been done just a little bit better in execution is when they're all starting, they're all starting to work together. Yeah, piling and some, up. And somebody's like, wait, how is he able to do that? I think Modoc says, how is he able to do that? Um, and then Scott's like, we all care about the same thing. Eventually, one of them says, we got to do this for Cassie. And then I think a second one says it. But what I think would have been much better is if you just had a chorus of Scott's just going, Cassie, Cassie, for Cassie. I hear Cassie. Do this for Cassie. Help him for Cassie. Like, you know, just like a chorus getting louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. That could have had the potential to just bring chills to the audience. Instead, you'd have two people going, we're doing it for Cassie, and then just move on. Like, they don't they don't really push it. Um, I didn't get then, chills in this movie. I mean, usually I get chills, like, when I watch something. Mm -hmm. and, I, and most of the time, it's because that geek in me goes like, oh, yes. Well, I, this is a I did for Kang, but that's about it. But yeah, but Kang was just yeah. presence a, alone. Yeah. But like, no, there's no like Spider Man. You know, when Spider Man yeah. comes on screen, yeah. and you're like, oh, Spider Man. You know, but but, but that same scene, Wasp shows up, and, and and there's one brief bit where she bumps into another Wasp, but after that, it never comes up again. You just have a trail of Wasp Blinder. Why did Scott have that's to have what this I was existential thinking, like, crisis? And and Wasp never had that. 
But Watts always had the moment, and the movies at least, she always had the better control. She was always fine. But like, it would have been nice. Like, the reason you go back to Rick and Morty or other things like this, the Mm -hmm. reason there were multiple versions of them is because those were versions of her that were thinking about making a different choice. So, like, even if they're not going to be flaking out like Scott might be sometimes, it should still like not be a conflict. Like, what if while he was having trouble getting himself to to agree, she immediately says, "All right, all of you on the right go that way, all of you on the left go that way," and they do it because they're her. You know, that would have been yeah. cool. But instead, it's just, oh yeah, they're there as a visual effect, and this never comes up. You know, and I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah. It was okay. I said, so I'm not blown away. It's for me, it's not a five. It's 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 between a two and a three. And really is Jonathan Majors that really just pulls oh, yeah. it in for me. He just does. And I didn't expect a lot of Scott Lang or you know Paul Rudd. I, I think that the movie, what I wanted was a lot more attention on Cassie. Like, what if okay, let's let's train her up. They did had a moment. Oh no, mm-hmm. jump and pop, jump and pop. Like I wanted more oh. of that because I, I hated, I hated, and I say it all right now. I watched the Hawkeye show, but I couldn't stand it. It was too boring for me. And I wanted more of that type of dynamic with Cassie and Scott yeah. since he's, you know, a training, a training. Well, 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 here's the thing. I heard some people complain that Cassie isn't good at it. And I'm like, yeah, but she's never fought like this. Like, like Scott, like I said, probably got in some prison fights, but like he there, if you go back and watch the first movie, there was an entire montage where Hank Pym is training him how to fight. Yeah. Now the implication from the dialogue of this movie is that Hank Pym trained her how to use the suit, but not that he trained her how to fight. So she never had that montage. She never had that chance to to learn how to do this. And so I thought seeing the learning curve on screen was pretty cool. Yeah, I, want, I, I wanted more of her to have that interaction with him and kind of handing it down. Because eventually, I don't know, a dream away from now, five, phase 10 or whenever we get over this uh, yeah. quote-unquote fatigue, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I also like that the way she handled with MODOK, like... Uh, that was that could very easily have been a big fight, or she could have been you're not worth it, or whatever. Instead, she's like, dude, just just do better, you know. And it's like that often is very much just a platitude, but for in this one situation, I I felt it from her. Like the actor did a great job of expressing it, and then Modoc being like, I have that option, you know. That's 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 honestly pretty cool. Yeah, why not? There's alternative options, right? But the movie, I said here, like at the end of it, we have Kang's. And when we look forward to phase five, this is the beginning of phase five. So I, I am not, I'm not, I'm not beating up the film. I just don't like the, the, the speed of it. I have my qualms with Modoc, and it's just like at a two and a half to a three, in my opinion, it's okay. Because I've also kind of reeled it back in a little bit. I was overhyped for it. Cause it came. Well, like I said, I, I will rank it a little bit higher than you. Uh, primarily because, again, the jokes, for the most part, landed for me. Even if that ice cream joke didn't land for me, everything else did. Uh, I loved the bits about the the narration. I mean, very often narration is going to not be great, but it was funny because it was part of the story. Yeah. Um, I loved uh, everything involving the little blob character was great. You know, I just thought he was amazing. Um, I, I didn't like the Bill Murray scene, but I did like a lot of the stuff that happened in it and around it. You know, yeah. Um, I think it's weird that they put Bill Murray on all the posters, and and that they have uh, William Jackson Harper as one of the top billing, and those two characters are barely in the movie. You know, that's that's unnecessary. Uh, but at the same time, 
you know, I enjoyed most of it. I loved the fight scenes. I loved Cassie learning to fight. I loved Cassie trying to, like some people said she was underdeveloped and that she was just the millennial teen. And I'm like, or not millennial, what would she be? Uh, a Gen Z? Z, Gen Z team, whatever. She's a teen. And, and the thing is that I liked, yes, she was kind of surface level modern day teen, but that established her character and she was true to that character all yeah. the way through. She is somebody who will protest when it's something worth protesting. She's something that will jump in when it's worth jumping in. In fact, the only the only negative I'll put on her is the same one we did for, for Janet saying that she should have said what happened earlier. Um, I think that she should have pulled out her suit a little bit earlier. As soon as she saw somebody being attacked, I'm shocked that she didn't immediately put it on. And she still ended up Yeah. She yep. still ended up doing it to help out, but like it should have been a little bit earlier. It would have been a nice surprise, yeah. a nice another another wow moment. But I feel like they saved it all to the end, which is fine. I mean, it's payoff there. Yeah. But moving forward, right? We have the phase phase. This is the beginning of phase five. Yep. Coming up to this, you have Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I, look, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Right. It looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and, then and, and unlike Ant Man, again, Guardians of the Galaxy. There have been threads for this through all three, all the previous two movies, and even when they when they the cameoed, too, didn't yeah. It? Well, yeah, there's that. But but what I'm saying is when the main Guardians cameoed in the other Avengers movies, James Gunn was co-writer of those scenes. So he had been planning like this storyline all the way through. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm excited for Guardians. Um, I think we're all fans of it. I don't think we have any headaches or qualms with it. Um, but who knows? This is the third one. We don't know how I, it's going to be. And I do have one qualm, and it's, it's not a big one. Um, I want... High Evolutionary is one of my favorite characters from the comics as, as, as a quasi-villain. Um, but he's such a weird character that because uh, he's not, in the comics, a villain-villain. He just does things that could be classified as Questionable. Evil. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, but but I want him to wear that helmet. And he's not going to wear the helmet in the movie. And that makes no, him look like it's just kind of generic guy from like a... He looks like a bad guy from the, the He-Man movie in the 80s. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I wanted that Kirby costume, you know. Well, I yeah. guess Kirby didn't design it, but still, no, yeah, I wanted that, that costume. That era. Yeah, I think Guardians is going to be fun to look out for. It comes out in May. Yeah, Marvel's got same, pushed back. Yeah, Marvel's got pushed back to November, mm-hmm. by the way. And then we have what? What? What is it? Is well, Secret well, Invasions coming from Disney Plus? Right. Well, well yeah. Let's, let's go to one at a time, though. What, what do you? What do you think about Marvel? So, you got any excitement for that? I think that we've been far apart from the series. No one watched Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah. That I'm ready for more. Like yeah. I've had that enough of a break where I want to mm-hmm. see what happens with that that realm, you know. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, definitely. I'm ready to see more of Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel interactions, and where we go from there. So yeah, I'm excited. What about you? Yeah, I'm super excited for Miss Marvel because um, she is. Uh, you have you have sorry, Miss Marvel. Sorry, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, and uh, Monica I, I Rambo. Wish, I wish Monica had a Marvel name because she was a Captain Marvel at one point. Yeah, but they're calling her Photon. They're probably they haven't officially said it, but. They're going to call her Photon. Anyway, I'm really excited because those three characters have three entirely different backgrounds, three entirely different power levels, and yet they're going to bounce off each other so well. That's cool. Because be exciting. they're all connected. Even if Carol doesn't realize they're all connected, they're all connected. And it's going to be a lot of fun. The only hesitation I have on that is that there are rumors that they're going to bring in the Blue Marvel, who, honestly, one of my favorite characters. I've talked with the creator, Kevin Grievous, several times. Yeah. Um, I, I really love Blue Marvel. I don't want him in that movie. And, and the reason I say that is because this is a movie where you have three powerful women who 
are going to be like the major forces of the universe. And then, by the way, here's our Superman. Yeah. And it's like, that kind of would take away from it a bit. It will. You it know will. what I mean? So I don't, I don't want them to be like these powerful women and then our Superman. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, no. you're right. That's going to follow up with what were you saying? Sorry. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think that it'll take away from the women and their abilities and just the, the characters themselves. I mean, every standalone, every standalone thing they've been in, they've been amazing without having to rely on that, yeah. you know? So I don't want to take that away from them. And after that, it was. You said Secret Invasion. Secret and, Invasion. And you know what's really funny is I saw somebody online who, who's got a pretty good following say, can you believe they're saying that Captain Marvel is required viewing Secret Invasion? And I'm like, yeah. Like, like you could watch yeah. Ant-Man and not have watched Loki and you're going to be fine. Uh, but I wouldn't watch Loki without having watched Ant-Man. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like, like, because Loki season two, you know it's going to be pulling off of the Council of Kang and everything for this movie. Yeah. Whereas Secret Invasion, like, the whole thing is the Kree and the Skrulls on Earth. And that was the whole plot of the first Captain Marvel movie. And whatever is going to happen in the new movie, it, it's probably going to be connected as well. And it it's has like, to be. yeah, but I'm, but I'm really excited. I love the idea of Samuel Jackson. I was just telling somebody the other day that when Samuel Jackson first got signed to the Marvel Universe, he had like, I think a seven picture deal. And everybody was like, that's ridiculous. You're not even going to make seven Marvel movies. And uh, yeah, look where we are Here now. Here we are. Yeah. So, so I think it's going to be great. I mean, I wonder if it, part of me wonders if it's going to be his last time in the Marvel Universe, but but I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be amazing. I think it'll be fun. And then, of course, Loki, you mentioned right after yep. that in the summer. Yep. And then we, we, we will dip into the fall as we go. But looking ahead, right, Secret Invasion is excited with the Kangs. Loki mm -hmm. connecting that line again. And, of course, Marvel's in November. After that, we have, like, what is it? Uh, Blade. Blade is coming yeah. out. Blade. This well, Blade, Blade got pushed back no next year uh, yeah, yeah so they're so they're i think they're gonna do captain america and thunderbolts before blade now i think they said blade is gonna close out the phase five where it was supposed to be in the middle originally yeah um and, and that's that's a shame but but one thing i want to say uh, before we even get into those other movies is that i I'm, i think i've said this before on the show but i really hate that people say oh well well phase uh five is so just phase four rather they were talking about was so disjointed and i'm like Go back and watch phase one and two again. They were not well organized. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like, oh, I can see where they're going with is this. Is it nostalgia, Kevin? Yeah, it is. Because uh, phase three was focused because everything was around Endgame. Um, but what I what I do appreciate, though, is that we are getting this ongoing threat of a building universe that is going to need to end at some point. But still, good, good universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, so... But, the, the, it, it, <clears throat> Excuse me. Before we, like you said, jump into the next stuff, but mm -hmm. you hear the conversation of hero, to, hero. What is it? Marvel movie fatigue, hero movie fatigue, all that. I think that when we look forward, the fact that the cohesion from the TV shows to the movies is getting better, at least, just at least in theory. I still right? want them to bring back Agents of Shield. I want them to bring it back into canon. In theory, I know it was silly. I know it was silly, but I want it back. Who knows? You know, scream loud enough, people. Maybe they'll bring them back just for fun. <laughs> for fun, but it's it's getting to a point where you do feel a little bit. Of, I need I need a palate cleanser. Would you say that Ant Man was that cleanser because it's not the atypical Marvel movie, or or are we just ignoring the fact that this could be Iron Man one for you Kang? Know, you know what? Um, 
I don't think Ant-Man Quantumania is a palate cleanser because I think Ant-Man Quantumania is essentially Infinity War with a smaller cast. Um, it, it, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a good movie. I really liked it. But it's if you want something that's different from the Marvel Universe, I think it's going to be Blade. Um, you know, because um, Captain America New World Order, that's going to build off of the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Um, and it's going to have Hulk stuff in it, which is interesting. Uh, Thunderbolts, uh, I think the big theory right now is that Thunderbolts may tie into Wakanda because of what happened at, during Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Blade is farther off the beaten track where they are going to tie it in somehow. But I feel like it's hard, farther off the beaten track. That one, and also uh, from the TV shows, um, we have other series like Ironheart is going to just basically be like young Iron Man, but a TV series starring starring uh, Riri. Uh, yeah. But then we have Echo, Agatha, Co- uh, Coven of Chaos, and Daredevil that all, if they all end up being in, in Phase 5, are going to be very, very different from the other types of things we've seen from Marvel. You know, Agatha is presumably going to go deep into the magic. Uh, Echo, I have no idea where they're going to go with that. But Daredevil, even if it's a more lighthearted than, the, than their previous Netflix series, it's still going to be way different from most of what's going on in Marvel right now. And I, I feel like, I feel like that was the promise we were given when the when I think Phase Two kicked off, and they were like, "We can have all different kinds of stories, and they're all going to be in the Marvel universe." And yet, we all got a lot of the same kind of story. And I feel like Phase Five is where we're finally going to be getting that, where you're going to have, you want a horror movie? Here's Blade. You want like a a, a, a a crime drama? Here's Echo. You want like a personal struggle? Here's Daredevil. You want fun magic? Here's Agatha. You know, you want to have like intense lore being dropped on you? Watch Loki season two. You know, I feel yeah. like we're going to get a lot of that and you're going to have these options. Uh, um, I, I also. It's not fatigue, let's yeah. say. I think it's yeah. just we're ready for a change and this is the, the phase that's going to do it. Hey. When they bring in a Marvel Western movie, I'll be so happy. Uh, starring Logan, starring Wolverine. And by the, way, by the way, little aside for a second, I, I saw, um, I was watching Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. I didn't get to finish it. But the very first five minutes of the movie, I was like, what? He said that? There's a Marvel yeah. reference in the first five minutes of that movie that is so obscure <laughs> that I was like, I can't believe. Quentin Tarantino, clearly a fan of old Marvel comics, man. Yeah, he's a fan of comics in general. He does that in Kill Bill too, Superman comics. Right, but um, but like everybody's heard of Superman, but I don't think anybody knows what an owl hoot is unless you are reading Marvel westerns in the 1960s. No, I don't know. <laughs> like that's that that's how obscure that is. But uh, we're getting to a point where there's a lot to look forward to, and I think mm-hmm. that the that argument of hero fatigue is no longer an argument, right? I mean, no. there's enough for you here if you want. Like you said, whatever genre within this universe will be something for you. You don't have to watch everything. Everything's not for you. It's for different like audiences. You know, you feel like a horror movie, like you said, there it is. I, I hope they hold true to that. I hope they hold true to the idea that you don't have to watch everything. Because am I gonna watch every Marvel movie? Yeah, of course I am. But like yeah, I do don't it. want the average filmgoer who's gonna go see Secret Wars to have to have watched every movie. You know what I mean? I don't want them to have to. Like, I feel like like the Star Wars main series, you kind of have to. But you could watch Rogue One and never have watched another Star Wars movie. You could watch most of Mandalorian and never have Isn't watched Isn't that what we were talking about with DC last time? We're like, we're okay with uh, well, it being its own thing. But there's maybe a difference. Oscar mentioned, like, no, okay. There's a difference, though. 
Oscar last time was saying that he wanted DC movies to be able to stand alone, like hashtag let it die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, he was saying he wanted the, the DC movies to be able to stand alone, like they used to. Um, and I'm saying I, who, somebody who loves continuity, want them to be able to connect, but I don't want it to be a required connection. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to be able, to, like, if you want to put the time into watching every movie, I want you to feel justified in that. But if you don't have that kind of time, I want you to still have a good time with what you do see. Uh, how about this? What if they came out of nowhere and say, here's the West Coast Avengers, and and you know, we're going to get that point of view, because everything takes place in the East Coast from the Avengers films and everything like that with the, the main cast. But what if we split off to the West Coast Avengers or the Young Avengers, maybe hopefully crossing every finger? You know, you know like that would be... Honestly, the movies have already done that. Because whereas in Marvel... Uh, the comics, everything's based around New York City. Uh, in the movies, Ant-Man and, uh, and Shang-Chi are both in San Francisco. Uh, we've already had multiple young heroes popped in that, that when Cassie was there, I never felt like she was just a background character. She was, she was fully on one of the main leads. Uh, when Hawkeye was there and it was Kate Bishop, she fully felt like one of the main leads. You know, so, so are we getting Young Avengers, Kevin? Is that what you're saying? I, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I don't think they're going to call it Young Avengers, um, I, mainly because by the time they make it, all these guys are going to be in their late twenties. <laughs> um, yeah, because Wiccan, Wiccan will be age appropriate, maybe at that point. Yeah, you know, but, but, but that's about it. Yeah, Kid Loki won't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. They're not going to bring back Kid Loki. Not, not like that. They're not going to bring back Kid Loki. Well, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you guys go watch the movie yourselves. Tell us what you think. Of course, you can always bounce ideas off Kevin. He loves to talk about lore and hidden little gems when it comes to the Marvel Universe. But I, I, Kevin, did a, I did a series of videos on TikTok doing nothing but, like, really obscure things that are in the movie. Like, there's a guy with broccoli for a head. There are broccoli people in Marvel. I did a whole video about that. There's a little cute blob that has random superpowers. Nobody knew he had. There are little cute blobs that have random superpowers in Marvel. I did a video about that. There's 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 so much that if you want to do a deep dive, you can. But you don't have to. You don't have to go do the homework. But if you want snippets of it, you can follow Mr. Kevin <laughs> Garcia on TikTok. And, of course, Kevin Garcia underscore com on social media. And, of course, you guys can follow us here at My Primos Podcast. Let us know what you guys think. We appreciate you guys listening. Have fun. Enjoy the next phase, whatever it is. And we'll meet again next week, Mr. Kevin. Have a good night, Kevin. Good night.